thank you all for joining us. This is Brian Ranellis, Digital Director at the Holland Sentinel, and this is a special episode of From the Newsroom. I guess this is kind of a spinoff series that we're going to try to do. Uh, I'm joined by Editor-in-Chief, Editor Cum Laude, um, uh, uh, Sarah Leach. Hello. Hi, Sarah. We're sitting majestically in her office overlooking, overlooking some our lobby. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Sarah came forward with the idea to do this podcast to give our readers and the audience um, kind of a behind-the-scenes look at our thought process, our logic when it comes to reporting a story. Mm-hmm. We've had some stories that have gained some traction online, yeah. and um, we thought it would be a good op- opportunity to just let folks know we don't just go – people have this idea journalists just throw stuff against the wall, whatever <laughs> sticks. Yeah. So be it. Yeah. Uh, but on the contrary, there is a um, a detailed organizational chart almost mm-hmm. that we go through yep. before we put something in the paper and online. And um, primarily, we've been getting uh, responses to um, – uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name, his first name, Davidson, Rob Davidson's, oh, Rob Davidson's yeah. uh, opinion letter, mm-hmm. uh, letter that well, he's, read, he's a community columnist, community yeah. columnist and a former mm-hmm. uh, candidate, <clears throat> excuse me, for the democratic seat in Bill Isinga's. Well, he was the democratic candidate for the U S house seat. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. You're, Which is currently Bill Isinga's yes. position. Yeah. Uh, but he's no longer running. Correct. Correct. That was he, the last election cycle, yeah. Yeah, so he, he wrote a letter um, that's uh, gotten some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well. Responses. Yeah. <laughs> um, we heard, so we heard from um, a member of Heisinger's campaign um, because there is a sentence in Rob Davidson's column about uh, well, we clearly know that Heisinger um, has partaken in, in activities that are that are you know not okay and is funneling money for personal use from his campaign. And so um, I received a complaint from Heisinger's campaign asking for a retraction. Um, and so whenever you hear those buzzwords, I. I I always get a little nervous because you always want to make sure that you're handling everything just so. And um, there is a huge uh, misconception about what the difference is between opinion and news. And honestly, that's probably the most common form of feedback that I get involving complaints is somewhere tied into that concept. If I could interject, mm-hmm. the representative actually is under investigation by an ethics committee. Yes. Davidson was um, penning a column, mm-hmm. um, giving his thoughts about it. Right. Well, actually, it wasn't even the, the – um, the, it was one sentence uh, that uh, mentioned right. this. Yes. Um, the rest of the column wasn't about Heisinger at all. Yes. Um, so, And it was at the very end. Yes. <laughs> uh, context is always key. <laughs> yes. Um. And I think that, you know, we, we're, we're getting an uptick in this age of where people don't, they're, they're really confusing news and opinion. There's a, there are more and more news sources that are coming out almost daily in a, 
in a country that um, really doesn't know how to have a high level of news literacy. We've talked about that a lot internally, about how do we make the public more aware of um, how things work at a newspaper. And it's actually not nearly as simple as most people realize. There's, it's actually quite a challenge um, at times. Stories don't get published sometimes because they just don't meet the, the, the level of requirements that, that we have in order to put something out into the, into the ether. So um, details of stories that we find very important that we can't substantiate. Um, you know, tangential things that we feel might be connected, but might be misconstrued or um, unfair to people. Like that kind of stuff happens all the time where we have to make these decisions as a group um, daily and differentiate, you know, what flies and what doesn't. And we do run the list of guidelines that we have mm-hmm. when it comes to writing, uh, whether a community columnist or right. uh, a letter to the editor or an opinion piece. Right. You can go on our website. Right. It's on our website. Um, I think that something that people, I mean, it's all kind of, it, it can be subjective at times because one of the, one of the rules is, well, um, any opinion submission has to be subject to, uh, you know, fact checking, um, editing for style, consistency, grammar, that kind of thing. Um, some people might think, well, the way that so-and-so phrased the sentence might, um, they, they, they're stating it as fact and it's not a fact. Um, or somebody says something else and it's their opinion, um, which could actually be a fact. So it, it, it depends on how people try to spin it. Right. And I'm always getting those kinds of inquiries and often complaints um, as to where those lines lie um, on all, all different kinds of issues. Um, Heisinger's a, a representative said that I allowed um, the community columnist to, to accuse Bill of committing a felony. Um, which isn't actually in the column. And so then I had to explain that this is something that's protected speech. And this also ties into something that is has been reported on the news pages where it is being reviewed. It's an FEC complaint from 2018 where the FEC split the vote 2-2, which I don't really understand why they have an even number of people on that. <laughs> it seems like that, that might be a problem there. Um, so it was a 2-2 vote. They, so the, the, the complaint was dismissed because a definitive um, wrongdoing vote was not found. And then the, uh, the House Ethics Committee announced within the past week that they are reviewing the complaint as well. So, the, you know, it hasn't been officially decided for with all of the groups that get involved with these kinds of things. And I had to explain that even though Rob Davidson once ran against Bill in an election, um, he is entitled to his opinion, as is anybody else who lives here that Bill was welcome to run a column in response so that he could um, express any opinions of his own. And, you know, most of, most people know uh, Rob Davidson's background because he's a pretty high-profile person in, the, in, in Ottawa County, and they remember that he ran for mm-hmm. Congress. So, so they can always weigh what, what his opinion means. Um, and so I, I think that these are the sorts of things that need to be played out on the opinion pages. Uh, rather than getting into, you know, the, the newspaper interfering in revoking people's opinions for publication. Why do you think there is that blurred line? People have that blurred line between news and opinion. Is this a result of CNN, MSNBC, Fox having the talking heads? Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's pundits. Um, it, opinion has been infiltrating uh, the airwaves for 
many moons. Um, right. And it's just become a lot more polarized, obviously, with the national discourse. Um, politics is extremely divisive right now. And so locally, there's that we're going to, we're going to see that we've been seeing that, um, for probably the past four years, um, ever since the 2016 campaign, really. Um, I think many people have now, um, I, I just get the sense that people feel empowered to say, because I feel that this way, I'm going to shout as loud as I can and to all of the people I can possibly find and make the most extreme demands and you will answer to me. And so, and that is very difficult because I don't want to be disrespectful or rude to our readership or to our community, but that's not really quite the right approach to engage a a business or, or, or a group when you want to work with them on something when you want something from them. So that's always a really tricky thing to navigate. It's a very fine line to walk. Yeah, it's it really is. Rope. Yeah, it is. So the second story we've been pursuing this week concerned uh, Holland Mayor Nancy DeBoer mm-hmm. and one of the at-large candidates for city council, Dr. Vicki Holmes. Yep. Um, a flyer was passed or distributed, I should say, at Freedom Village mm-hmm. and uh, possibly other places. We're not sure. Right, uh, and basically it was a two-page flyer espousing their views on government protection regarding the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Right. Because this ties back to a local vote that happened yes. in 2011. And they were both uh, asked this question. Um, Nancy addressed it at their mayoral forum with mm-hmm. Nathan Box. And this was also a question brought up at the uh, uh, debate for the at-large candidates in July, I think it was. Right. Kate Carlson, our reporter, was there. And this isn't the first time. It also was featured in the last mayoral um, race, too. It came up between at, at all three of the debates. This was one of the topics that, that was asked at each of the debates during that cycle, too. Sure. And we've uh, ran the story, um, talked with legal counsels for um, uh, the gay community, gay mm-hmm. and lesbian community. Right. Uh, in Grand Rapids, I don't think the local on the lake out on the lake no, shore. No, they to, didn't. They didn't feel comfortable taking yeah. a position on it. Yeah, yeah. So we spoke with some uh, legal counsel in Grand Rapids at other um, community members mm-hmm. that addressed that. Yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> I don't know if you want to talk about. We've gotten some response. Yes, yes. <laughs> we've gotten a good, a good, uh, mostly positive. I would say people that understood where we were coming from, but we've also gotten some negative. Well, I think that what the, the most interesting thing that when we, when we do stories of this nature that touch on um, highly controversial subjects that, that are very deeply personal to people, uh, the medium that is putting the information out there, the story out there, whether it's a radio station or a TV station or a newspaper tends to be in the crosshairs of, you know, whether or not you're carrying a message that people agree with. And they tend to focus on the paper versus what the sources say in the article itself. And so I, I've been fielding some comments about how um, you're trying to sway the election. And I, that that is patently false. <laughs> I really don't have any stake in who is the mayor of Holland because it really doesn't affect the Holland Sentinel one way or the other. So it's almost their um, 
I hate to use a cliche, cliche, kill the messenger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in some respects, I guess that is. Well, people so, don't like to read things yeah. that make them feel uncomfortable. They don't want yeah. to read things that they construe yeah. as negative about people that they like. You know, it's. I, I guess it's suppose. I suppose it's human nature, but it's also a very frustrating space to be in because I have to explain to people that I'm getting accused of um, of imposing opinion. Uh, into news and I don't really understand um, where that feedback is coming from because it's, it doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, our job was to respond to something that the mayor of the city and a council candidate jointly agreed on the information of it, printed it, distributed it, stood by it. Um, there is false information that is within that flyer. And it has nothing to do with people's feelings on whether or not um, homosexuality, homosexuality should be accepted in society and, and, and all this. Other. It, it really is irrelevant. What, what actually was the problem in this literature, because these people are entitled to their views however they want to stand on, on whether or not to extend protected class status to this group. The issue was that they were they were talking they get into this area of talking about how discrimination law works and how discrimination cases have to be filed and then proved. And there's language in there that says that if somebody is accused of discriminating against a protected class that they are presumed guilty until found innocent, which is it's just not true. Um and so we got a lot of people sending us this saying that this is very irresponsible of these candidates and the mayor of the city to put out there. And so that's where the genesis of the story really began. Our process is to not only look at what is in the flyer, um, try to verify, you know, objectively whether or not, which we could several points in the flyer are not accurate. Now this could be done because of a mistake. It could be because of a misunderstanding. It could be um, a million different things. You know, maybe they didn't have final read on this thing before it went out into the universe. Um, So that's when reporting and interviewing come into play. And so that's when we go to the sources themselves and say, okay, so we've talked to these legal experts. They say that this language is not true. Did you know that? Do you understand that? You know, did you mean to say this? And so you give people an opportunity to respond and to clarify. Um, it's, it's my understanding that that's what the mayor is doing, um, now with the local radio station and the local television station. Um, you know, she's saying that she didn't, she wasn't really given that opportunity with the newspaper, which is not true also. They just chose not to really um, comment a lot. I, I think that they were kind of caught off guard with <laughs> with how, yeah. w- the reaction to this yeah. flyer, and and I um, and that's unfortunate to see um, because you don't want to see this kind of stuff happen in an election because it makes everybody feel uncomfortable. It makes us feel uncomfortable. I don't want to have to, you know, um, ask candidates about. Stuff like that, right? Nobody does. I, you know, I'm. I wonder where that perception. I think people, for some reason, they think we're out to get people. We're out mm-hmm. to trick them. I often get the whole, "Well, you just want to sell newspapers." Yes. Um, and ain't nobody selling newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the the medium of print is 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 going away. I mean that that's a fact because technology is is coming into its own, and so. 
the readership will become more and more digital as time moves forward. And, and I think that we're all sort of aware of that. Um, but it doesn't really benefit us one way or the other because we get, I, I've been looking at the page views on, on that story and we got more page views on a, on a local fender bender than we did in this story. Or uh, a photo gallery. Yeah, or fo- uh, spo- uh, the f- local football teams um, were, were almost double or triple what the clicks were on this story. So it's not like that I'm selling papers uh, to, to, you know, so I think that people have always kind of in the back of their mind, you know, before the Internet came along, we only had television and we had these TV news anchors that we trusted implicitly to tell us not only what happened during the day in our community and, you know, in the state and the world, whatever. But they also, um, they told us like why it was important and we trusted them implicitly. And we don't really have that relationship with the media anymore because there's too many sources. There have been too many stories of journalists, um, engaging in fabricating stories or sources, Mm -hmm. um, to make, to, to make their careers look better to, you know, to get better jobs. And, and so that trust has eroded over time. And I think that also people in in positions of power have taken advantage of that, um, in order to not be held as accountable as they normally are. I'm talking more on the national level. Um, we've seen that a lot, you know, attacks on the media so Mm -hmm. that they're discredited and that the information that's in them, you know, should, should not hold as much weight. Okay. From an editor's perspective, uh, we had three reporters working on this story. Could you kind of walk me through and and our audience through the process involved when you've got three people? Mm -hmm. That's you're really juggling a lot of things going on at once, and it's all got it all has to come together into one cohesive unit. Right. The one. Well, good thing we have a good team. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, Kate, Kate Carlson is now our business editor, but for uh, the majority of the past year, she actually was uh, the municipal reporter. And so she covered a lot of city council. Um, she came on just in the last election. She became familiar with the, with Nancy, um, with other people who are involved in, in politics. Uh, Nathan Box sits, he chairs the Civic Center board. Um, so he's the challenger to Mayor DeBoer. So he they're Kate is familiar with him as well. Um, so she was on this story because she, she has some historical perspective as to what has transpired over the past year. And then we have our current municipal reporter who is Carolyn, um, Meiskins, and she has been doing a great job of, of creating these relationships on her own, but she's only been with our staff for a couple of months. So we wanted to make sure that she was working with people that, might be able to provide some background on certain issues. And then we had Arpan Lobo, who is also a, a very talented journalist, and he does things for the the state and the county and the national level. So he has perspective on looking at the uh, discrimination law aspect of this. He had already had established sources for previous reporting because he was ta- – th- this has been a statewide issue about mm-hmm. whether or not to include LGBT as a protected class in the state of Michigan. Yeah. So I thought that it would be better to be able to have more cooks in the kitchen than not because, you know, one person, when a, when a story could potentially have a lot of tentacles, we call it the octopus, you know, yes. then you have to run down a lot of different tentacles. And so we sort of divided the work in, okay, so who's going to be talking to the legal experts? Who would be appropriate sources that would have, um, you know, who have, who have 
dealt with these cases. Let's talk to the Office of Civil Rights because they can tell us how complaints are filed. Um, so it wasn't just a matter of us talking to uh, lawyers that were, you know, either members or um, um, friends of LGBTQ members. It was r- really just trying to find out what is the actual factual background for this kind of law. And is this language accurate? And this was a two-day process for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we, weren't, we weren't comfortable with what we knew after day one. And I was, w- I was willing to wait as long as it took in order to, to get the information. Now, we had um, letters that were waiting to run. And so there is, there is a level of criticism towards us that the mayor um, is making to us because we didn't wait for her uh, to comment for our print deadline, which was on Wednesday night. And um, our reporters reached out to her and to Vicki Lynn Holmes uh, well in the day. I mean, it was very early afternoon. Uh, yeah. It's my understanding yeah. that it was sometime like around one or two in the afternoon. Um, and so then they delayed having this conversation until the city council meeting, which was scheduled later that night. And then they delayed again because of a variety of reasons. But Um, ultimately they said that they wanted to speak jointly with our reporter, but by then print deadline was approaching. And so, you know, you always run into this kind of thing where, you know, do you, do you hold the story? I mean, we put it in digitally. We we put it in online right away um, before the story even posted to the website, which honestly gets more traction than, than the print product. Uh, But even when we got those comments, it didn't really change what the story was. We didn't really get a lot of comments that explained why this was disseminated and what kind of a vetting process it went through before it was printed. So it's sort of semantics at this point. I know that the, that the mayor is, you know, trying to kind of, you know, go on the defense, um, which is absolutely her prerogative. But um, I just, I, I do want to say that we did everything from a due diligence standpoint. And if sources um, delayed giving comment all the time, then we would never print anything. <laughs> we have people um, who have used delay tactics in the past to try to kill stories. And yeah. I'm not saying that that's what happened here. I think that they in good faith wanted to talk to us, but they wanted to be calculated in terms of when and where and how. Um, but I mean, they knew for hours, and and so you know we our our obligation is to give a reasonable time, an opportunity for them to comment, which they did not take advantage of, and that's unfortunate. But they are represented in the digital version of the story. Looking back now, would you have done anything differently? Do you think we should have done anything differently? Well, I think if. If I could have waited another day, I would have. By then, we had been given all indications that the conversation with DeBoer and Holmes was supposed to take place much earlier in the day. Right. Because they said that they were going to talk to um, our reporter before the, the city council right. meeting started. Right. Um, so we had a and, – and that's and by the time that it starts, you're getting into 5 or 6 o'clock territory. So people have gone home. Plans are set. Uh, so we had a plan and the plan went awry. And so then I had to make a split second decision. We even waited at half an hour past deadline, um, to try to get them to give us any kind of comment at all. And, um, and they said that they, that, that, well, Vicki is, is who, um, Carolyn approached in the city council meeting 
And she said, no, I'd prefer to wait until the end of this meeting so I can speak to you with Nancy. And the meeting went unusually long. So um, we were sort of stuck at that point and didn't have another option to change the print um, schedule. And I know what the criticism response, what the critical response to that, to me explaining it this way will be. But I also think they had fair opportunity and they didn't really ask any questions themselves about what our process was or when we needed the comment by, which a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the community had already been reacting for almost 48 hours to this. It's my understanding that they were already reacting to the candidates themselves um, with feedback on the flyer. So they knew that the story was happening. Um, so I just have to kind of be realistic about like what, the, you know, it wasn't an attempt to, um, to do anything, you know, good or bad. It just, it, it is what it is. And then we got their comments in as soon as we could. And as far from a web point perspective, it was always incorporated with their fresh, com- I should yes. say their fresh comments because yes. the flyer contents itself yeah. was in there that explained their position that they chose to put out mm-hmm. into the world. Right. So, uh, any final thoughts? Because I think we should uh, wrap it up here. I don't think so. Okay. So good I mean, talk. <laughs> it was a good talk. You know, hopefully we do this more often. I know uh, um, Sarah mentioned this to me uh, about maybe making this a a regular, excuse me, a regular feature, a regular podcast. Maybe bring in a reporter or two, yeah, to kind of give you an inside look at um, uh, the processes we go through as journalists. And if anybody has any ideas on, you know, or if you want to hear us talk about a specific topic or how we do Mm -hmm. a certain thing, or if you want to react to something in the news and get a little bit more of a behind the scenes of how it came together, uh, feel free to email me at um, Sarah, S-A-R-A-H dot Leach, L-E-A-C-H at hollandsentinel.com. And with that, I think we'll we'll wrap this up. This as untitled <laughs> inside, I, I liked inside the newsroom. Inside the newsroom, you yeah. liked inside the newsroom as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe we just uh, I gotta go work. probably just going to yeah. I gotta go work on a logo okay. now. <laughs> so uh, on behalf of Sarah Leach, I'm Brian Vernellis. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time on from inside the newsroom. <laughs>